the loan amount, again, we borrowed $31,250 to buy this property. Our loan interest rate to our private money lender was 10% interest only annualized. And what that means is, again, it's interest only. The amount that we are paying our private money lender is 10% interest annualized from the borrowed amount, and we are only paying our lender interest. The same thing when you go to buy a loan for a car, you are paying, you have your loan interest rate and you pay principal and interest down towards that car. But in this case with private money, we are only paying interest, interest only. All right, welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. Today, Kate and I are sitting down and talking about a very requested video. I We've done it before, I believe, but we're going to be talking about our rental calculator. Kate, yeah. how are you? I'm doing good this morning, dude. I think, yeah, we've done, obviously, again, we've had a whole season done on out-of-state investing where we kind of it, it may even be a topic that may be worth reapproaching uh, some aspects of which obviously this is as we're talking about one of the properties we bought out there in South Bend um, we obviously recently did a refinance deal breakdown on one of the properties out there but I think it's gonna be really beneficial we're gonna go through our Excel calculator from the first line to the very bottom line we're gonna put a link to this calculator in the description so you guys can go up do literally i'll tell you how to do it you go file make a copy and you'll have your own editable copy of this calculator and if you guys follow along we're just going line by line and we're just going to go through an example of a property that we bought out in south bend yeah so some context we bought the first four pack that we owned in september of 2020 and you remember how everybody was panicked when we made offers on these? Yeah. Like how many people were like, oh my, no, don't do it. And in retrospect, obviously they had our best interest at heart, but I'm really glad we didn't listen because we almost canceled on this four pack. We talked about that at the time. And looking at the numbers now, anybody who sees this would not uh, hold off pulling the trigger if no. they saw a roadmap to repeat what we just did. No. Um, we refinanced the property in 2021 in August. So you're going to notice interest rates are a little different in August of 2021 versus in October of 2023. Um, if you're curious about how the numbers fare up now, we did a podcast uh, on a deal review for another property we just refinanced not even two months ago. Yeah. So you can compare these two podcast episodes side by side and get an idea of how it would play in today's numbers. Yep. And the address we're going to be covering, you guys can pull it up on Zillow, pull it up on Google, go check this bad boy out. It's 4628 Meadow Lane in South Bend, Indiana, zip code 46619. And so a little bit of backstory, actually, when we were looking at this four pack, I believe talking with our agent this was kind of like the golden child out of these four like we obviously like you said we were hearing all this noise both both 
positive and negative, even though, like you said, some of the negative had our best interests at heart. Yeah. But like we've always preached, you've always got to listen and take advice from the people who are doing what you want to be doing. If you're going out to search and buy rental properties out of state, I think you'd be more beneficial to get advice and guidance from people who have gone out and done that as opposed to people who have no experience <laughs> buying rental properties at all, right. let alone out of state. Um, but this one being uh, what we thought was going to be the best out of the pack. And so let's, let's start with the deal information. Yeah, let's do it. So purchase price on this deal. Again, like you mentioned, Scott, we bought this as a four pack. We did not over borrow. And no. what that means is when we did a private money loan for these, we strictly did it for the purchase price. We did not over borrow any money to pay for repairs. So our purchase price for this property was $31,250. I think that was about half of the price of your car, right? Wow. Put <laughs> to, me, put me to on put the it, spot. To put asshole. it in to put it in perspective. I mean, we talk about this. We have we have a rental property. It's one of these other four where the more the mortgage on this property is literally two hundred and twenty dollars. And we'll get into what the mortgage for this is, but the range my car payment was double what the mortgage is for this house. Like it's crazy. We it it's still absurd. amazes me. Yeah, no, you have to you have to really wrap your head around the fact that you could flip a house in Fresno and take just the profits from your flip in Fresno yeah. and at the time buy an entire home in Indiana and nice. that property would cash flow like crazy. So the next thing to note is that these homes did need some repairs. They were rentals for a long time. Um, we talk about disgruntled landlords uh, when we're talking about who we normally buy from. This was a landlord who was at the end of his career. Uh, he was selling off his properties. Uh, this is not way, thank no. God. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we had uh, some repairs to do. And we ended up yeah. uh, estimating it was going to be about $11,000, which turned out to be fairly accurate. Pretty accurate. Yeah, obviously. And this is just more info for you guys. Literally just a couple days ago, we found out this property in particular needed a brand new roof so that cost has not been included uh into this estimated and it wasn't cost. much right it was like four grand came in uh, just a hair above four grand yeah. yeah so uh it all makes sense why we're not panicked about that we've had this property for a few years we really want to have pride of ownership so something like replacing the roof at it you know that isn't a big deal to us um, it was a pretty easy trigger to pull. Yeah, 100%. Next line we've got is after repair value. All of you guys who are familiar with the real estate investing world, otherwise known as ARV. And on this line I item, we have 56000 The 56000 is actually what the appraised value came in at when we refinanced this property. I'm trying to remember back when we were doing the deal analysis on here. I think that's relatively pretty close to what we were estimating. I think our hope was more around sixty thousand. Yeah. Um, but the appraised value coming in at fifty six thousand back in August of twenty twenty one. Right. And and then one of the things to account for when you buy real estate that if you are not active in real estate, you wouldn't think about is escrow fees, closing costs, yeah. commissions and uh, refinance cost. So because we purchased four properties in one pack, that saved us a little bit uh, in escrow fees. 
along with when we refinanced, we refinanced multiple properties at once. So we were able to kind of bundle a few things together. We're estimating it costs us about $2,000 in escrow fees, refinance fees, things of that sort. Yep, absolutely. And then our last line item on this deal information box is the annual property taxes. And so we'll get to this. There's a separate line item for the monthly property taxes down a little bit when we'll get there, which are $53.79. But obviously on an annual level, we're just taking that $53.79, multiplying it by 12 to get our annual property tax number uh, right there in that cell. Yeah. Also, if you don't know what your property tax is for a county, a lot of it's public record. Mm -hmm. So this is in St. Joseph's County in Indiana. The simple solution would be Google St. Joseph's County property tax rate uh, Fresno property tax rate is 1.249% or something around that range. So for every hundred thousand, um, what is that? It's another hundred and twenty yeah. five, twenty five or a hundred or yeah, $125, right? Per year. Yeah. So just keep in mind, um, I'm off by a, a magnitude. It's $1,250. No, oh, missing a zero. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, early. It's give, simple. Give us some slack. Multiply it by <laughs> 1.25% in Fresno. If you're in other counties, just know that it, it ranges places like Texas range by county. Um, you know, California is more by state, I believe. So yeah, just Google it. Yep. All right. The next boxes we've got uh, in our rental property calculator are talking about the money. Can... And- can I make a suggestion? Let's just go down the left column first. Let's go through all the assumptions Let's when we have it with private money first. Let's do it. So uh, like we mentioned, we use private money for the complete purchase of this four pack. And what is important to note about private money is typically it's interest only. So you are not paying down the principal, in this case, the 31250 Can you explain that? Yeah. So... Let's start with this loan amount, and and this will be easier to explain here. The loan amount, again, we borrowed $31,250 to buy this property. Our loan interest rate to our private money lender was 10% interest only annualized. And what that means is, again, it's interest only. The amount that we are paying our private money lender is 10% interest annualized from the borrowed amount and we are only paying our lender interest. The same thing when you go to buy a loan for a car, you are paying, you have your loan interest rate and you pay principal and interest down towards that car. But in this case with private money, we are only paying interest, interest only. To clarify, the big difference would be if you own the house for 30 years with a traditional mortgage, at the end of the 30 years, you will have paid off the bank and you own it free and clear. If you were to have this private money loan for 30 years, you would still owe $31,250 and you would have paid interest for all 30 years. Yep. Next box, we have the points charged by the lender. So again, talking about private money, this I want to say this is one of typically kind of the standard terms if you're out there borrowing private money in just depends real estate investing yeah um 10% interest only and we paid 1 point up front and what 1 point means is 1% of the amount that we are borrowing so 1% of the 31250 
we cut a check to our private money lender for $312.50 upfront just to say, hey, thanks for letting us borrow the money. This is kind of your upfront check that you get before we start paying you interest only every month. Right. In the lending world, this would be considered an origination fee. It's the cost of setting up the loan. You'll see that the loan length is left empty because, again, these are all negotiable terms with private money loans. Depending on your private money lender, sometimes if you're doing a flip, you'll do a six-month term. Sometimes, and like for us, we bought this property in September of 2020 and didn't refinance until 11 months later. So we had this private money loan out for 11 months before uh, we finally got our private money lender paid back in full. Right. So calculating what your payment would be on interest-only loans are very simple. It's your loan amount times your interest rate divided by 12. Mm -hmm. Because we don't have to factor in any principal buy-down or anything of that sort. All we're calculating is the amount we're paying our lender. So in this case, $31,250. Annually, we're paying $3,125. You divide that by 12 and you get... $260.42. And for reference, while we're talking about this private money loan, let's rewind a little bit to what we were talking about interest only, right? So again, what we call our total monthly mortgage on this private money loan, $260.42. We are sending that to our private money lender every single month. And again, this is interest only. So 11 months later, when we went to refinance, we still owed the $31,250, but we had paid almost $3,000 in interest to our private money lender. And that's taking the 260.42 and multiplying that by 11 months. Yeah. And so we were all in, in terms of debt, about $34,115. Boom. So in one year, uh, the lender's money went from $31,250 to $34,115. So. It's not a a huge return, but it's a safe investment for the lender. And uh, at the end of the day, it's what allowed us to buy these properties. Yeah. Well, and especially for an 11 month term, I mean, some of these we didn't refinance. (laughs) We just refinanced our last one. Like you said, just a couple months ago, our private money lender was ecstatic. He he didn't even want us to refinance. He wanted us to go buy more. (laughs) So let's talk. We inherited tenants, right? Yes, Um, we did. We mentioned that the landlord had owned these for a long time. They were under market rent. When you're identifying a property to to fix and flip or to, to burr, one of the headaches could be a previous tenant. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily for us, this tenant moved out fairly quickly after. She was not paying rent. So although she had a lease at $650 a month, um, we did end up getting rid of her in the process. Yes. So we had assumptions for later on on what it could go for. And at least at the bare minimum, we knew at least kind of in its current condition you know, it was going to be around that 650 mark. So when we look at our next box, the monthly income, you can see there's a couple line items here. And really, this is just to break it down and simplify for you. To clarify, is the rental property one bed, two bed unit, three bed unit, four bed unit, you can see here Meadow Lane is a three bed. And we have that $650 in rent line item there. And the first thing that we account for, if we go down a little bit, we subtract or we account for vacancy. And as landlords, we've now owned these things for a while. If you talk to any landlord, you know that there's going to be times where you're 
rental property is sitting vacant, whether it's after a tenant moved out, after an eviction, and you're doing repairs before you're able to get a new tenant back in there. Right. We had a fully renovated unit, uh, Sheridan, which was one of the four packs that I think sat for almost 45 days before we we were able to get a tenant in there. And it took a long time to fix it up. Yeah, 100%. So I also want to say that part of why we have the one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom, four bedroom studio unit and other monthly income, if you're running like a fourplex, Mm -hmm. you can adjust and say, well, there's two two bedrooms, two three bedrooms and a laundry room. You can account for your rent accordingly. Yep. And other monthly income being, hey, are there any, like using this multifamily example, are there any laundry units that you're, providing like quarter units that you're collecting monthly income from or parking or storage or things of those sorts. So if we subtract 5% of our $650 a month in rent to account for vacancy, we get our adjusted monthly gross income or AGI and that's $617.50. Now we take that, we move on to our next box, which we call fixed landlord expenses. And here's where there's going to be some variability depending on the property you're looking at and what the current terms of the lease are. Now, for our leases, we have tenants pay all electricity, all water and sewer, and we don't have any HOAs on this property um, and et cetera. So this, these first couple columns where we're talking about utilities, our tenants, based on the terms of our lease, pay it. So we don't have any amounts in here. Now, again, this is where it's important to do your due diligence. If you're analyzing the deal and the current lease states that the land, uh, uh, landlord is paying any of these items, you should make sure they're accounted for in here. I was running a deal on this calculator just two days ago, and it was a fourplex in Fresno. And I asked the landlord, you know, you just bought this. What are your utilities? And he said, oh, I pay water, sewer, trash, garbage. Um, or those are trash and garbage are the same, um, trash and landscaping. Mm -hmm. And he said it costs him 1400 a month, right? So those are fixed expenses, regardless of, uh, you know, regardless of if the unit is occupied or not, those are things that we're going to have to pay for. That's why they're called fixed versus later. We'll talk about variable, which, uh, are not as consistent issues. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about the, what, our first line item in this box of fixed expenses that everybody's going to have is monthly insurance. And this is where we've talked about it is building out your team, your people for building your rental portfolio. So we have a kick-ass insurance agent, Connor Moulton. We've had him on the podcast a couple of times, the Ironman podcast earlier this year. So this is right now an, an estimate, right? So We've got to be able to work with your insurance provider, say, hey, can't I, I'm looking at this out here. Can you just give me a ballpark on what we might be looking at insurance wise every month for a for a property of this amount of bed, this amount of bath in this city, this zip code? I'm not giving you legal advice. I'm gonna give you some business advice that I recommend that if you're working the Burr method, insure the property for what you think it's worth when you're done fixing yes. up the home. Because <laughs> if the property burns or floods Ugh. or is totaled, right? It's yeah. damaged beyond compare. Yeah. You need to have enough money to rebuild the final structure you were looking to do. Mm-hmm. So Connor's first question to us when we asked for a quote was, how much is the house worth when you're done with it? Yep. And he looked at it. We told him, well, we think it's worth probably 60, 65. And I think we insured it for closer to 80. Um, I think we were extra conservative. Yeah. Because we were dealing with 
you know, a lot of rotating pieces, right? Tenants, rehabs, it was going to be vacant for a while. You need to make sure that you're covered for all those situations. Absolutely. The next line item, which is what we talked about a little bit earlier, is our monthly property taxes. You already said, you know, where you guys can go to kind of check out that information, county website, stuff like that. Pretty self-explanatory lookup to get some estimates there for you. Leaving us with total fixed expenses for this deal analysis at $114.05. Why do we have fixed expenses and variable expenses separated out? One, it's just so you can see if you're in a pinch, right? If it's occupied or if it's vacant, you're able to see, okay, if this is vacant, what do I know for sure still needs to be paid every single month? What's going to come out of the bank account? What am I responsible for? Whether it's rented out or whether it's not, whether the property is making money or losing money, right. what's still going out of the bank account every month? So being able to separate those two things is more for for your sake to understand and be responsible for and understand what still needs to go out. Yeah. My opinion has always been that I want to know what is absolutely going to be spent mm-hmm. and then things such as vacancies or other variable costs. I, I want to know that for how to calculate if the deal makes sense. But I know that that fee that I'm saving for may not happen every single month. Exactly. But fixed expenses happen every single month. And what about variable expenses? Variable expenses, we got these numbers from a trusted investor that we knew. And he suggested that we account for repairs and maintenance at 5%. Everybody understands what that is. Capital expenditures at 5%. Looking into that... um, you and I laughed because we both feel like we aren't really sure what capital expenditures are. Um, looking into it more, it had to do more with uh, cost of refinancing and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. And then management fees. We knew from day one we were going to hire a property manager at 10%. So variable costs are actually going to be 20% of your actual gross rent. Not your net rent, your gross rent. So in this case... Uh, that's $130 of $650. And again, a reminder, if you're not making rent, your property manager does not charge you 10%. They only charge you when your tenant pays. Uh, same for maintenance and repairs. If it's vacant, you don't have to make repairs necessarily. Unless a city is coming, like the city ordinance is coming after you. You're slum Then <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. And same with capital expenditures. I mean, you can kind of decide when you're going to work on that. So... This 130 is money that is coming in technically every month. Um, your property management gets taken out on the months you get paid. And the other $65 is going into an account for a rainy day. Mm-hmm. 100%. And now to summarize this, the, all this stuff on, on the left side of our deal analysis, a summary of what our expenses are going to be like while we are in the process of burying this property, while we are in the process of using private money to get this thing bought, fixed up before we head off to refinance. So we can see the first line item on here is adjusted monthly gross income. That's taking our rent and then accounting for our vacancy, accounting for our total fixed expenses and accounting for our total variable expenses. Nope. No. This is your rent minus your vacancy. Oh, cost. it's it's pulling uh, AGI from line 33. Yep. My my So apologies. this would be your rent we pulling, yep. of $650 minus your 5% vacancy. Yes. So we're we're creating a simple equation. 
just like we talked about in the financial management episode, the way you find your cash flow is you take net income minus net expenses, and that gets you a number. So we're starting by addressing net income. So our income after accounting for vacancies is six seventeen fifty. Then you have the expenses, and now you can explain what the expenses are. Expenses are taking our variable and fixed expenses and adding our uh, our interest payment that needs to go to our private money lender right. every month. So every we're taking month, those three values, adding them together, those are what need to go out expenses every right. single month. To to say it another way. To own the home, we have to pay the private money lender, we have to pay our insurance and taxes, and we have to account for all the expenses of owning the home. So we add those three together, and that gets us 504.47. So $504.47. So cash flow again would be income minus expenses. That's on the next line in bold. It's $113.03 every month in expected cash flow. But that's not the end of the story because we talked about this already. Uh, maintenance, repairs, capital expenditures, they don't actually happen every month. It, no company is taking that money from you. It's building into your account. So if you're a business owner, you need to know how much money should I be expecting in my bank each week? Absolutely. And this is, I think, a value we added to this sheet because... It's also helpful to know and understand that and to be able to distinguish between those two things, right? And you as a landlord, as a property owner, and we've learned this is, again, like you said, these aren't being, nobody is responsible for taking those things out of you know our rental income every month. We have to be responsible enough to make sure those are accounted for, put into a reserves account to save for a rainy day, right? And so... The expected monthly deposit in our uh, left side summary being $210.53. And then if we know that some of that should be put away into that reserves account to save for a rainy day. Yeah. I want to go quickly through this section only because this should be its own episode. But talking about how to understand your return on investment, mm-hmm. there are a few different people or a few different ways to do it. Some people focus on cash on cash return which is how much am I making for the money I put into the deal? So in this case, we only paid for the rehab. It was about 13,000 in total. Um, So our cash on cash is Mm -hmm. 10.43%. That would be considered good. Other people go off of cap rate or pro forma cap rate. Um, And in this case, it's gonna be, uh, cap rate would be 14%, almost 14 and a half. And our pro forma cap rate is closer to eight. And our annual profit, this would be accounting, you know, all income minus all expenses. We're looking at making just under 4500 a year from this property. Yep. And now let's fast forward a little bit. So this is your private money su- summary. When you are looking to do a deal analysis and use the Burr method, This is a really good way to hone in your deal analysis to expect as long as you're doing the right homework and being honest with these numbers as you should be to expect what this is going to look like while you're in the process of fixing this thing. up. Right. Because when you burr, you need to think about what is it going to cost me now and what's it going to cost me later. Mm -hmm. The hard part about burr is knowing that it has to make sense the whole time just because a deal makes sense uh, on paper 
doesn't mean you won't have cash flow problems. And this is very important when you look at like a 93 unit building, where we're talking about a purchase price of 3 million, a rehab cost of 4 million, and a refinance at 15 million. If you can't manage the $90,000 a month stroke or whatever it is, you can run out of money and the deal goes belly up. That's why these guys go bankrupt because on paper it looks great, but they didn't realize how much money they were going to burn through to get to the end product. And be obligated and responsible for That's exactly right. So you have to know both sides of this story. And now let's even talk about the purpose of having this right column, right? Because if we look in this, our bolded line, our only bolded line in this sheet is our monthly cash flow. If we're strictly just looking at the left side where it's $113 a month, everyone would be like, dude, this is a, this is horrible. Why <laughs> you shouldn't be buying a deal for $113 a month, but it's important to keep in mind, we are buying a property at a discount, looking to value add and put sweat equity into it. And the true market rent, this is where it comes down to doing your homework and we'll get to this, but being able to understand that 650 was not market rent for a fully fixed up renovated rental unit. We're buying this property at a discount in order to look to value add and again, be able to forecast what it's going to look like after we do our refinance, right? right? So let's talk about our traditional loan information. We did did a whole deep dive into our refinance. We'll go through these line items again briefly here, but you'll see down payment at 25%. What in, can you explain? Is that a true 25% we have to come out with out of pocket? No, uh, it's a good point to make. When you refinance a home, the bank will only let you pull out 75% of the new value of the home because they want you to have skin in the game. When you own the asset already, you don't have to bring money to the table if the home is worth more than what you paid for it. So in this case, um, you know we, we paid $30,000 for the home or 31,000. It ended up appraising for 56. Well, we have kind of some room there of what we would call equity mm-hmm. that can be used and be considered as down payment money. Right? Absolutely. And if we look, our, and that's why we have the down payment amount blank because we knew we had put in enough sweat equity to where we have that wiggle room in there after rehabbing the property. Looking at loan amount, we see $42,000. Where does that come from? Again, we are taking 75%. It's called loan to value of our ARV being 56,000. So that 42,000 is just taking 56,000 times 0.75 and we're getting $42,000 for our loan amount. You'll see here, our next item is, line item is loan interest rate. And geez, if we could just rewind to August of 2021, for our rental properties, our loan interest rate was 4.5%. Which, do, you, do you remember what Erin said to us when she told us 4.5%? I don't remember which She was like, I'm so said. sorry. This is really, really high. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we actually had... You guys got maxed out at 45 We can't <laughs> legally charge you more because lenders in this area uh, don't really want this small of a loan. And we ended up paying points to even get a lender to take yeah. it at four and a half when the market <laughs> interest rate was a two point something. Oh, yeah, I remember. And I was going to say at the time, us feeling like that was kind of high. I mean, we had we had a slight feeling of disappointment at first, like, dude, four and a half percent. I think we were hoping for three and a half. We were. Ho- yeah, we were hoping for somewhere in the threes. But regardless, we ended up being at four and a half percent. 
If we go down, uh, there's a couple things in here. The next thing I think important to highlight, obviously loan length being 30 years. Some people like to do 15 because they pay it off faster. Kate and I bought these homes for cash flow. We did not care about owning the asset outright as soon as possible, or else we would have just paid cash and owned them outright. Um, so we, we went with 30 years because that makes your payment lower. So that made our total monthly mortgage for principal and interest only. Yep. $212.81. Nuts. Compared to $260.42 interest only that we had prior. So our payment went down and now we're making an impact on our total balance owed. A hundred percent. And now talking about our favorite numbers, monthly income. Now that this thing is fully fixed up, renovated, ready to go for a new tenant, we knew market rent was going to be at 950 bucks. So making a pretty significant jump there. I mean, that's 50%. an increase of like, yeah, going from 650 to now 950, bumping it up by $300. And you'll see here, we have that 950, but we are still accounting for that 5% vacancy, which gives us our Burr AGI of slightly over $900. You'll see it's $902.50. Moving again, our fixed landlord expenses, these are going to be the same. This is the benefit of over-insuring when you're in the project and your taxes don't necessarily change a lot when you refinance because your tax basis remains the same, I believe. Mm -hmm. So we have our same lines. We're still accounting for the same monthly insurance that we had before of $60.26 and the same monthly property taxes of $53.79. So our total fixed expenses being the same as before at slightly shy of $115. We, again, with the new tenant, we put it in our lease that they're covering all the utilities. Right. And so we are not accounting for those here. Now, we have the previous variable expenses were $130. Again, that was an equation based off of market rent. You scale your expenses based on rent is the, the way that you do it in the business. So our refinance uh, variable costs are now off of a higher uh, mortgage or excuse me, a higher rent. Mm -hmm. So it went from $130 to $180 a month. And that's a uh, what a third or a $50 jump. Mm -hmm. And again, this property just got rehabbed. So our maintenance, our capital expenditure, those are actually not going to be as difficult because we just replaced everything. Yeah. The only thing is your your uh, property management will be more expensive. Mm -hmm. It went from $65 a month to $95 a month. And that's on there, like, a, like you said, a sliding scale. As that rent goes up or for whatever reason, which shouldn't happen, but if the rent is goes down, that value will will follow that right right and so we're pulling our agi again if we go to our traditional or refied loan money summary our agi we're pulling from a little bit higher again which is the 902.50 that's, that's based off of 950 rent minus five percent vacancies then boom now pulling our monthly expenses which are adding our variable expenses fixed expenses and now We've got to also account for our total monthly mortgage in there as well. Oh, let me add that real quick. I must have accidentally clicked something here. There you go. Cool. Um, and then the same thing, our bolded line here, monthly cash flow. 
Well, our monthly expenses, we didn't even say the number. Or so again, expenses, the cost of me. owning the home. So the mortgage, the property tax, the insurance, the maintenance costs, property management, all those fees total to be $507. So uh, we look at our expected deposit amount. That's going to be our rent minus our fixed expenses and mortgage. And that gets us a different number than our cash flow. Our cash flow is $182. But our monthly deposit is... Well, is, actually, and if we take this, it should be the same here. Sorry, bear with us, guys. There's the right number. What did I do differently? Uh, I don't know what was in there. I think we just had a formula tweak wrong. But if we look, oh. this monthly cash flow number, it should be our AGI minus the monthly expenses in this summary row. And that is a lot more right. We see... <laughs> I double-pulled the uh, mortgage. <laughs> the more, Yeah. So we see that our monthly cash flow here... Going from our private money, where we're estimating only slightly over $100 in monthly cash flow, now when we're estimating after this bad boy is refinanced, we've got the rent increased and we are moving and grooving. We are just shy of $400 on this thing. $400 a month pays for your truck, right? Yeah. So, I mean, this is why you would go and you'd buy an asset because you're getting the benefit of income, tax liability breaks... Uh, appreciation. Am I missing anything? Debt buy down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there's four different ways it's to in, make money. Yeah. There. And I think this, you made a great point. And I think we've heard this from people in our sphere, but even it's like the one v- piece of value that I actually like that, that some of the gurus say out there is buying these assets and having that, the income that those are producing to pay for your liabilities like cars or, you know, fun stuff that you want to go out and do. Right. Right. Like you mentioned, being able, hey, monthly cash flow of 400 bucks, that can pay for a car payment. Yeah. And the reason this deal made sense was because it made money when it was in the private money stage and when it's refinanced. Mm -hmm. So our expected monthly deposit is important to know again, because when you refinance and fix a property, you have to refill your bank accounts, right? We just spent 13 grand working on this. So our monthly expected deposits, if our renter pays $950 every month and we don't have a ton of repairs because we did our rehab right, should be right around $525. Yep. And again, with this expected monthly deposit, it's up to you guys as the landlord, as the property owner, you guys have got to be in tune with your financials and with your business bank account. You've got to be diligent enough to make sure you are putting money away for a rainy day. We... (laughs) We've, We've had so, so many deal breakdowns. We did a Studebaker deal breakdown, which was one of the nine properties that we had bought where we obviously had to pull money out of personal accounts, pay thousands and thousands of dollars to get this stuff right. So when we state that the importance here is to be diligent with the way you're running your numbers and accounting for stuff for, an, for a rainy day, do not undervalue that, you guys. That is going to be much needed and you'll thank yourself later like this happened when we got the call on Meadow for a brand new roof that had to go on for 4,500 bucks. Lo and behold, we did not freak out. We did not stress because we had reserves set away for a rainy day just like this. Yep. So looking at our total cash needed, it was around $13,500. So that makes our cash on cash return, right? Where there's a couple different ways to analyze a deal. Our cash on cash return is 35%, which is astronomical. That's better than any 
asset that you can have. But our net operating income is fairly impressive. It's just over 7,200. It's a little under $7,300 a year. So we paid 13,000 to get into a deal that makes us 7,300 a year in profit, not in income, but in profit, which makes our cap rate uh, 23.35% and our pro forma cap rate more like 13%. Absolutely. And I think as we wrap up with this deal analysis, you guys, I, I think Michael Zuber is one of the guys who says this the best is getting to know your market. You guys need to be using this. And this is what we did. Like we analyzed, I don't even know how many deals, how many potential deals, how many listings on the MLS, just getting to understand what these numbers look like in the market South Bend that we wanted to buy in. So you guys, you should know this calculator or something similar to this in order to analyze your potential rental property. You should know it in and out and you should be working that muscle every single day in the market that you want to buy in. Again, we rewind to the season that we had on out-of-state investing. Scott and I came into the office for a year straight at 6.30 in the morning because we were on Pacific time in South Bend's on Eastern Standard Time. We came in at 6.30 and that was already counting it late because it was already 9.30 out there in South Bend and the day was started. But for a year straight, we came in an hour and a half early before our 8 a.m. usual start time for our normal day jobs, right? Doing real estate to do deal analysis, to do homework, to spend time in deal analyses like these to get to know our market. Right. The only thing I wish we had done was maybe just buy the first pack, get them refinanced and then right. <laughs> been stronger on staying on the gas. Yeah. We've, you know, we've, we've regressed a little bit, but the reason why it's important that you and I are talking about this is that now that we've gotten through so many headaches and we know what this looks like, we both say to ourselves that it was 100% worth it. Absolutely. I mean, you and I went through some crazy stressful times. And yet now we're on the other side and we're looking at making this year like 100 grand tax-free in refinance cash. Oh, um, maybe. In a 12-month period. It's not going to be on the same tax period. Yeah. Um, we've been able to write off about 15 grand each per year in our tax liability which saves us another four or five grand, depending on your tax bracket, mm -hmm. in depreciation. Uh, we have appreciation, right? That's what we were just talking about, the refinance. We had cash flow coming from properties now. So there's so many different ways to make money. Plus, we're paying down our mortgages without having to make a stroke. You know, if I could have a hundred of these, I promise you, I would not be sitting here on a podcast. I'd be sitting no. on a yacht somewhere. <laughs> Maybe not a hundred, because that's not that much, but. A thousand? Yeah. If I could do it, I would buy a hundred thousand of these things. Yeah. And I think this is where, again, it comes down to you guys, you know, and we've talked about this before, just being able to look at, find the market you want to buy in. Are you focused on appreciation? Are you focused on cash flow? The biggest thing we we've hammered it in on the past couple podcasts, because it's becoming more and more apparent and evident to us that you guys and all of us need to be putting money into income producing assets, especially with the way everything is going with your traditional nine to five salaries, stuff being super expensive, right? That's It's not like things are suddenly going to take a 50% pay cut. We got to put things into income producing assets that secure not only your current financial situation, but also your future. Right. And 
that was the hope of this podcast, being able to break down some rental property analysis for you guys and just take you line by line on how to go through a burr analysis the way we did out in South Bend. Yeah. And again, I'll remind you that two or three or four of these will change your life. You don't need a hundred or a hundred thousand. Just having a couple rental properties that work like this would like significantly change your financial outcome. Yeah. And I'm in to piggyback on that as we wrap up. I mean, we just talked about refinancing Shapin, which was one of our five that we bought after this four. We bought that for 30, 27, 27,000, 31, borrowed 31. And that thing just appraised for a hundred and six thousand dollars and we were all in it for like 40 it was yeah. like 42 uh, or something like that yeah uh yeah something like that yeah and but, <laughs> but just crazy and like now that, that we refinance at eight and a half percent we're still making money yeah and we're gonna again refinance when the rates come back down and that this is where it just all comes in it's it's playing it's playing a game yeah you you're guys. playing monopoly here <laughs> when you own enough properties it's not money coming out of your bank account to fix them you're taking money from other rentals that are cash flowing to fix bad ones to get them cash flowing. Yep. And all of a sudden, the stress kind of goes away. You're not as panicked when your one out of 100 units has a huge problem because your other 99 units can pay for it, right? 100%. It's even the same when you have five, six, seven, eight, nine. From our experience, you have a few that are working like like workhorses and then you have a few that aren't. And you use the money that's working to pay off those. We have yet to take a single draw from these rentals um, with our intention is to keep growing them. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, we've already gotten a lot of tax benefits and a lot of benefits from um, exposure to private money lenders, exposure to out-of-state investing and seeing how that looks. So overall, highly recommend. Absolutely. Well, you guys, thanks for tuning in. If you guys have any questions about this rental property calculator, any questions about buying out of state, please reference all of our older podcasts. We have so much jam-packed information in there that goes through exact detail on how we did it start to finish this being one of the primary tools we use but also any questions while you're going through those please hit us up instagram direct we've got all our information out there as you guys know and we're always here to help you guys out sounds like a plan thank you guys